You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss me? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a great, great show for you today, a very timely and topical show. I cannot wait to dig into. I cannot wait for you guys to dig into. My guest today is Mark Andraco. Andraco Mark Andraco is a comic book writer. You know him from the uh, DC world. He is just announced as the writer of Supergirl. He is uh, the author, the co-author of Torso. Um, and a handful of other um, comic properties. He is also in my faction in the Schmodown, which is a movie trivia league that I play in. And of course, he is a dear and lovely friend. And Mark picked um, not a drama or a dark tale. He picked Tootsie, one of the greatest American comedies ever made. And um, I was really, really excited to have him on. It was an incredible conversation. In fact, after we stopped rolling, we kept talking about Tootsie for about another 15 minutes. Um, but uh, but it was a real treat. And um, and he's such an intelligent man and film, a fan of film. Um, and the the thing that I think is the most interesting about this episode was that this, you know, Tootsie came out in the early 80s and it is remembered for its Academy Award worthy performances. It is remembered for... Um, um, of course, the great lines of dialogue. Good day, Dr. Brewster. Uh, Dustin Hoffman's performance and um, and Jessica Lange's performance. But it is so culturally relevant right now. The premise of Tootsie is an out-of-work actor um, dresses in drag, essentially, as a woman, Dorothy Michaels, and starts working on a soap opera and became becomes super famous and receives acclaim. And, you know, but what what we're seeing is um, a study of the entertainment industry. We're seeing a study of the way men and women interact. We're seeing a study of gender identity, gender politics. It's it's really, really interesting, but it's, of course, in the early 80s. And we have, you know, if you work in the entertainment industry or if you pay attention to the entertainment industry, we are seeing all the time um, stories about gender politics and gender identity being discussed and being addressed um, for better and for worse in the public eye and the pu public forum. Um, and, you know, it's, this is just a, it's a fascinating film to address uh, in the time that we live in. And you will hear, you know, the day that Mark and I recorded this episode, which was just a few days before you all are hearing it, there was news that broke about Morgan Freeman. There was news that there was the entertain or um, the uh, New York Times interview with the cast of Arrested Development addressing Jeffrey Tambor's behavior on set. There was, you know, the dialogue, you know, even in the last six months, dialogue about about Dustin Hoffman himself and the way he behaved on various sets throughout the years, whether it was, I mean, you know, with no exaggeration, 
assaulting Meryl Streep. He admits that he slapped her in order to achieve a better performance, which, you know, I as we say in the podcast, it's Meryl Streep. I think she's good. Um, and so on and so forth. So it's amazing how timely this movie is. And yet it is amazing how funny it is. And it's amazing how much it, um, I would argue, paints a very empathetic um, and, and, you know, evolving uh, for the time, look at women and men. So it's a, this is a cool conversation. I love it. It's a great talk. I'm so glad that Mark picked this one. Um, And before we get into it, it's coming up. I've been talking about it for the last couple of months, but I can't believe it's just a couple short weeks away. Sending the Wolf will be at the Terminus Conference um, in Atlanta, Georgia. We are so close to locking our guest and it is going to be super fun. This live recording is going to take place on Saturday, June 16th in Atlanta. Um, If you are interested in attending the Terminus Conference, which I highly recommend, whether you are a fan of the entertainment industry, film, television, video games, etc., or if you are a professional, I think that there is incredible insight to be had at this conference. I've been working with the Ideas United team on and off for almost a decade, and um, I love everything they do. So if you're in the Southeast or if you're interested in coming to that conference and you want to buy an all-access badge, you get 30% off if you go to TerminusEvent.com. And when you buy your all-access badge, you type in Sending the Wolf, all one word, S-E-N-D-I-N-G, the wolf with an E. That's your code. All right, that's going to do it for my long-winded intro. I love this episode. I hope that you do too. Here is Mark Andrako talking about Tootsie. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the live event, mm-hmm. and um, and this will come out right before the live cool. event. Uh, and then um, hopefully I'll have Emma on like oh, right nice. after, and then it'll be our our whole little Fife Club. Nice. Do you have a, a list of what's which ones are checked off? So I I haven't made a formal mm-hmm. list, mm-hmm. but I have had people already call ones mm-hmm. that they want, mm-hmm. um, and so there have been like maybe one or two times mm-hmm. where I've said that one's already taken. Is it all about Eve been taken? No. Really? Can, do you let us do multiple ones? Oh yeah. Because all about Eve, I would love to do I, as well. Because that's probably the best written film of all time. There are so many uh, so many of my guests uh, that I've had I, I sincerely want to mm-hmm. have back. Well, um, let's see how this one goes Yeah, first. let's see how this one goes. <laughs> then you can change your mind. No promises. No promises. But no, I'm super excited. And also, I'm really excited that you picked this movie mm-hmm. um, for many reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it would be something that maybe, maybe the audience who knows you from your comic book mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily think that you sure. would pick. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell a little bit, tell reveal a little bit about why you, I know why, but oh, so we're we're taping right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um. Well, Tootsie. I remember seeing Tootsie for the first time in the movie theater. It was 1982. I remember I was 12 years old. I actually I was 11. I hadn't turned 12 yet, and I thought it looked goofy and funny. And I just fell in love with the movie. And I was surprised there were parts of it that made me cry. And I was really really invested in it. And when we get around as our discussion continues to the, the climax of the movie, I got really physically uncomfortable for the people that know what happens at the climax. It's this, it's hilarious, but it's also one of those scenes that you, you know, your teeth hurt. You're like, oh, you're so, you're so uncomfortable for everyone in the movie. The climax takes place. They have to do the soap opera live and Dustin Hoffman's character, Michael Dorsey doesn't want 
He had, they just extended his contract as Dorothy Michaels for five years and he doesn't want to be on the soap opera. So it's live and then things happen and it's, it's just masterful. It feels like a Billy Wilder movie. It's yeah. A, and what's the, the, my, one of the most fascinating things about it for me is everyone hated everyone on that movie. This is a movie on paper that should never have worked. Larry Gelbart, the original screenwriter, had a fight with Sidney Pollack. Mm. Sidney Pollack cast himself as Dustin Hoffman's agent because he was having such a miserable time. It was just easier for him to be in the scenes and save money. You know, Dustin Hoffman is Dustin Hoffman, difficult method. You know, that, you know he's an indulgent American actor, mm-hmm. but this is one of his finest performances. And he's kind of playing himself. Yeah. You know, not actually kind of. He is playing himself. Yeah. He's probably playing a nicer version of himself. Yeah. And you go back and look in the movie now and the cast. It was one of Gina Davis's first movies. Jessica Lange deservedly won the Oscar. Um, Charles Durning as her father is just heartbreaking and delightful. Dabney Coleman. With Terry Garr. The, Terry Garr was also nominated. Terry Garr is amazing. I love her. An uncredited movie. Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, I think it's his best dramatic performance. He's yeah. fantastic. You know, you have this cast that is from the gods, and it's a super smart movie and a super fun movie. And looking at it through the prism of 1982, the, the way they deal with gender and sexuality and stuff, much like another movie that came out at that time, Victor Victoria, those movies are pretty timeless. This movie is so progressive, you know. There's a sequence, spoiler alert, where Dorothy is going to Jessica Lange's apartment to help her run lines because the script got changed. And they're drinking and they're talking, and Michael is very attracted to, to her character. And he leans in as Dorothy to kiss her, and she's been and she's been drinking. She says, "No, no, no, I can't do this, Dorothy. I'm not that way. I love you, but not like that." And it's not a "ooh, gross." Right. It's a, "I wish." She she even says, "I wish I could feel that way about you because I love you, but that's just not who I yes. am." And in 1982, oh yeah, even now, know, <laughs> even now that's super progressive. And these were big movie stars yeah. at the time doing this. It's just it's just one of my favorite movies, and I would argue that it's probably the best American film comedy of the 20th century. I, I, I think it is an incredible comedy. I think it is still funny, which which that's one of the things, like especially when you're making your way through any of these lists or you're a cinephile mm-hmm. and you want to see where, you know, okay, the greatest dramas of all time, sure. the greatest comedies. You know, a lot of times you can see why the dra- how the dramas hold up. You know, they feel contemporary mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Sometimes they don't. Um, but the comedies are the mm-hmm. ones that are so hard. Yeah. To to still be actually funny, there was what did uh, Bill Murray had a line that actually made me laugh. <laughs> laugh out loud it was that's what this is one nutty hospital yeah yeah, Um, it's great when i was re-watching it today it it literally made me laugh out loud and i think for a movie that is uh 36 years old older than either of us (laughs) yes indeed um but yeah i think that that's really challenging and you know today we're recording this and like you know another day another dollar there's um the arrested development interview that's Mm -hmm. been going around um, sort of addressing the um, Jeffrey Tambor's behavior on that set, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Morgan Freeman was, you know, outed. I I don't know about you, but I've interviewed Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman, um, and he was absolutely flirty with me. And you know, I think that, and this is probably wrong, but 
um, and, and I only had to deal with him for four sure. minutes, whereas yeah. the pub, the um, production assistants and the crew have to deal with him yeah. for extended period of time. But, um, you know, when I spoke with him and he was rather flirtatious with me, I sort of chalked it up to like, well, he's a he's a dirty old man. You yeah, know? he's 100 years old. No, I think that I think that's a really good point to veer off into the real serious for a moment. I think he did do stuff that is considered across the line, but I don't from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like he's Harvey Weinstein. Now, that doesn't mean that's not saying it's all or nothing. There are degrees of crime. A bank robber and a murderer are both bad things, but one is worse than the other. And we got to say, you know, men grow up and still grow up with this idea of women that that um, sort of making them objects, objectifying them is a compliment to them. And yes. we've socialized our women to be grateful yes. for those, for any sort of positive reinforcement. So I do think he's probably guilty of stuff, but I don't know if through the prism of time and through when he was growing up and the world that he lived in up until recently, if that is, and this isn't an excuse, this is empathy, not sympathy. These women are absolutely, if they, if you feel threatened, you are absolutely in the right. But it's just, I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush. Because like, well, Al Franken is not our president. You know, there, there are degrees of bad things. Not all bad things are equal, are equally bad. They can exist at the same time. And it's just, it's just really unfortunate. I think a lot of these older men, because he's 80, I think. He's something like that. There's a tone deafness, you know. Oh, for sure. I think, and you know, at the end of the day, um, I think the issue that when it comes out in these like entertainment, in these professional scenarios, mm-hmm. I think that is the problem, is the power dynamic. The idea if you're number one on the no. call sheet or two on the call sheet and you are routinely treating the people below you. Uh, sure. I mean, it's the workplace. Exactly. That, that behavior is not acceptable in a workplace. And because we play dress up a lot and get to write fantasy and stuff, there's a, there's a kind of a smearing of the borders and- you know, like like um, uh, my friend Mark Bernardin, who yes. is a reporter. He's been and, on the oh, show. Oh, he's been on the show, yeah. You know, J- Jason Bateman apologized, mm-hmm. and Mark just went off, and he said, he said, you know, Jason Bateman was in, in his interview was saying that, you know, it was like a family. Things get stressful. Mark Bernardin, you're not a family. You're showing up, and you're getting paid. You can be friends with him, but it's a job, and that behavior is not acceptable on a job. And Jason Bateman's a 50-year-old man. We should know better than to what Jessica Walter feels is real and the moment you saw how much that upset her at that press conference you should have said i i didn't know or i should have done something i'm sorry i don't need a monologue from you you're sorry you were wrong you will try and do better that's it yeah i think and i think too and not and i'm not defending jason bateman but i do like you like we were just saying earlier we do play dress up for a living those lines are smeared but at the end of the day we are paid professionals to do this job that a lot of people look at and go it's fun but it is work you know and um so i and i'm not and i'm not even you know i'm not saying that we should run jason bateman out of town a spit because it's just it's just check your check your privilege and check your awareness. I mean, I've told this story before, but I was going over to do when I was going to do Roca's podcast, mm-hmm. I had to park a couple of blocks away and it was like nine o'clock at night and I walked through two blocks of alleyways in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I got to his front door and I realized, oh, that's white privilege mm-hmm. because I as a white man was walking through that alley just down the primrose path whistling not even thinking that I'm in a city of 11 million people in a dark alley at night and I th- and then I got to his front door and I'm like if I was a woman I would have to worry about being assaulted mm-hmm. and if I was a minority I would have to worry about being 
assaulted by the police. And it made me realize that sometimes even the most liberal and most quote unquote woke of us were not even aware of the privilege because we were born into it. Right. We don't know any better because that's all we know. That's not an excuse, but we have to reflect back upon ourselves and see these situations and say, and realize that sometimes the answer is just, I'm sorry and I'm listening. That's the thing. I agree. A hundred percent. That, that is, yes, 100%. And it is, look, I, I, it's impossible to watch. I watched, rewatched Tootsie today mm-hmm. and it is impossible to watch this movie and not be so aware of everything that we're talking about. And it's cutting edge even today yes. because Michael, Mike, um, Dustin Hoffman's character, Michael says, he says, I don't know what it is, but I'm a better person when I'm Dorothy. Yes. I don't want I want her to look pretty. She deserves it. And the way when he is Dorothy Michaels, there's an old there's an old man on there's an old crazy old doctor on the soap opera, an old actor who was in Punky Brewster for yes. uh, and he kisses all the new actresses on the show. And Dabney Coleman's always calling the women honey and sweetheart and baby. And and Dorothy has these two moments where she one improvises on the set and smacks the doctor in the face with a file when he tries to come in for a kiss. And she finally says to Dabney Coleman, this sort of tyrannical director, she says, my name's not Honey Mm -hmm. or Toots or Sweetie. It's Dorothy, D-O-R-O-T-H-Y, Dorothy. You call Mike, Mike and Bob, Bob and Jim, Jim. You call me Dorothy. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's both amazing how art is transcends time and kind of sad that that's still relevant today. But also this movie, I want to show this movie to girls now and men now because it, it's amazing how ahead of its time, unfortunately, it was in that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think at the end of the day, like when we're when with Michael's character, what we're getting into is this notion of toxic masculinity. Like, and I know that's a really like buzzy word for a lot of people. Their 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 guard is sort yeah. of up when they hear it. But the truth is, this idea of a form of masculinity, mm-hmm. and and Michael, you know, it's so funny. Like from from the minute he starts helping uh, Terry Gar like mm-hmm. prep for this audition, and he's like. No, no, get mad. You have to, you know, really demand it. Like, there were two things I noticed in that scene. The first one was women aren't allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it does feel... I have actually been... In this situation, not the same situation, but a friend of mine who's an actor, who's mm. a great actor and a lovely man, um, helped me prep for an audition mm. one time. Now, granted, I was a fish out of water. I have been so out of the scripted game, sure. non, non like stage wise. Mm-hmm. So this was a TV audition and, and it was a kid's thing. And so it was like very zippy and like, you know, mm. improv and do this mm. and like whatever. And he got that material so fast. Mm -hmm. And I was so uncomfortable, like, am I doing it right? Am I, like, is it too much? Am I too much? Is it funny? And he was so comfortable just taking up space and Mm -hmm. owning whatever choices he was making, the same way that Michael was able to just say, no, no, Sandy, just do it like this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. but how would you know? And the second thing is, he says to her, what do I have to do? Hit you with a stick. And it reminded me of the story that has come out about him hitting Meryl Streep on mm-hmm. set. Dustin Hoffman no. slapping her no. and trying to like get her into character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry. This is Meryl fucking Streep. I yeah. don't think she needs any lessons from you. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, Dustin Hoffman is supposed to be a nightmare to work with. I don't think he's a misogynist because I don't think a misogynist could have played this part with the, the sort of unconscious insight that he has. I think he's a crazy method actor. I tend to want, you know, when I used to act in college and high school, I would tend to be from the British 
Lawrence Olivier school, try pretending. Right. Oh, same. You know, I yes. think if you have to put yourself, if you have to gain 50 pounds to play a fat person or you have to, you know, you have to dig up a corpse to play a zombie, calm down, <laughs> pretend. <laughs> if it's that, if, it, if you have to make yourself miserable, yes. you should do something else. And that doesn't mean that what we do is simple, but it means if, you know, why would you subject yourself to that? So when him being that guy, I think once again, I I know, I understand why he did it. I'm not sympathizing with him or justifying it, but I think he's just more of an all-around ass than he is a predator. But it is so interesting. Oh, no, no, no. And and I would agree with that, but it is so interesting to me, the idea of like, like for instance, I was always taught that if you're on a set, Mm -hmm. uh, you are not to direct another actor. That's Mm -hmm. not your job. Mm -hmm. And it's disrespectful. And you can run lines and and scene play with them all day long. But so so the idea that like they're shooting Kramer versus Kramer and he's saying to Meryl, you're not getting it right. You're not in it enough. It's like, fuck you. You're not in it enough. Don't tell. Who has three Oscars? Thank you. Who's Meryl Streep in this situation? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I think it's Meryl. But anyway, it did strike me as, oh shit, like this is probably exactly how, as you say, it's probably his, he's playing himself. And I had always heard, I remember specifically, and I'm sure this is like a bit of PR or whatever, but I had heard uh, him specifically on Oprah's show Mm -hmm. years ago talking about Tootsie. It was probably a 20th anniversary or Mm -hmm. something like that. And um, talking about how it moved him so to live in this woman's shoes and how he learned about how to treat women and Mm -hmm. respect women more. And the thing is, I do believe that. But what's fascinating is knowing where we are Mm -hmm. now and knowing how defensive he is. Because he is. like Well, he's also 80. Well, Once again, not a justification, but it's not like he's, he's, you know, Henry. And it is a little old dog new tricks yeah. here, but yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is it is fascinating, and I've seen those interviews too, where he's like he learned a lot about women, but the moving the needle for him was a little for him feels like a lot for him. Yes, yes. You know, because he comes from a place of he made a lot of people a lot of money. He's very good at what he does. You know, when people are good at what they do and people make money off you, you get away with a lot. And you don't even necessarily want to get away with a lot, but people just tell you yes. what they do. They don't want the goose to stop laying the golden eggs to mix as many metaphors as I can. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I, I see it in my work in comics. I have friends of mine who are super, super successful. And they're like, I wish my editors would give me notes. And I'm like, well, you know why they don't? Because they're afraid that if they give you a note and you complain, you're the moneymaker. And it's like, no, artists... If you're a true artist, to sound really pretentious, you want that collaboration. You want Absolutely. you might not agree with what someone tells you, but I would rather have someone criticize my work and give me an, a detailed reason what didn't work than say, "Oh, that was great." Yes, because that means nothing. When you say that was great or that was nice, I have two. I have two thoughts. One, you either hate it so much you have nothing, you can't even begin to speak, or two, you're dumb and didn't get it. So I would rather have a long, in-depth criticism, critical talk than just compliments because that gives you insight into the way other people think and sometimes makes you look at your work in a different way. Yeah, I agree. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And, um, you know, I do think, too, like the we talked touched on it for briefly just a minute ago, but him saying that he wanted Dorothy, he he felt like he, want, he loved her so much he wanted her to be more attractive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the currency of somebody's looks is like it, it is so interesting interesting to see how people react to Dorothy's um, personality mm-hmm. and her wisdom and her, you know, oomph versus the way she looks because there are so many beautiful compliments and and conversations that happen with Dorothy, but there's also all of the jokes, which are still funny, 
of like. Well, but I would argue, and I, I'm, I'm cutting you off here, but and I know I, I know you're not saying this, but I would also argue that the jokes at Dorothy aren't. Look how ugly she is. They're they're not like they're not like making fat. They're not like shallow how making fat jokes or something like that. The jokes are about her not being pretty, but she owns that. And she was supposed to be a six week character on this soap opera, and she becomes so famous and resonates with so many women across the country more so than anybody else on that show, more so than the Jessica Langs on the show and the Gina Davis. Right. So so she so she does tie into that. I think the I think the 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 looks jokes are more at Dustin Hoffman makes an ugly woman than Dorothy is an ugly woman. Well, I think I I would say mm. that I don't know if I can sep- I don't know if we can mm. separate the two. Um I understand the jokes mm. of like Dustin Hoffman as a woman mm. isn't attractive. Mm. Um and and I guess to your point, maybe they're not putting down Dorothy, but they are all going out of their way to say how unattractive they find sure, her. Sure, sure. And once again, this is where I'll check myself. I'm not a woman. But so it's a I hear I hear it and it is a comedy and I hear th- I hear it a different way. I've no. never it's 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 okay. No. I mean, every but we're we're. I mean, look, everyone is into. I just um, I did. I thought to myself, mm-hmm. like, how if this movie were to be made today? Which do you think it could even be made? Today? I don't think it could be made today. I think because of one, I don't think studios make smart adult comedies, mm-hmm. and I don't mean adult as in rated R. I mean adult sure. as in like sophisticated and clever. Because for every ugly joke about Dorothy there's some immense beautiful just so fin- such finessed comedy that's going on and so much character stuff and two I don't know if it, it's a timeless movie if you contextualize it from the time it was from yeah if that I know that's counterintuitive but today would you I, I just don't know if you could do it I don't know especially in the this immediate aftermath of the Me Too thing, having that, having a straight white guy pretend to be a woman and then get woke because of it. I don't think that's the message we need right now. I think that even though it's a comedy, I think that looking at it, contextualizing it historically would make it more, I don't think it would be successful now. Do you think something like maybe All of Me Mm -hmm. could be made today? I think All of Me would be fascinating to make today. Yeah. And I've always wanted to make a Freaky Friday with a gay man and a straight man. Yeah. And take those tropes and flip them on their side. I'm surprised All of Me hasn't been remade. I'm surprised it's not a Broadway musical either. Yeah, it seems true. like, That's actually you know, really but all of me would be really, really interesting. Yeah. For those who, for those listening who don't know, it's Lily Tomlin and uh, Steve Martin and it's a body swap movie. Yeah. She's a, she, he's a lawyer and she's his rich, crazy client Yeah, and she dies and her, and her ghost is in his body. That's right. So it's not a swap. That's right. Because, because he doesn't go into her body. They're like fighting inside, inside yeah. his head. And once again, if you want to see some amazing physical comedy, oh my God. him trying, Lily Tomlin Trying to fight his walk is just. I'm like, I'm gonna have to watch that movie again tonight. I haven't yeah, seen it in a long time. It's a good one. Yeah. I loved that one when I was a teenager. Um, but yeah, so I, it's um, it, I, I truly do appreciate this movie for what it is. Um, and I think that I do think that this. I want to be like. I think that the the discovery that is on um, Michael Dorsey's face, mm-hmm. but also Dustin Hoffman's mm-hmm. face is real. I yeah. do for, for t- it's almost as though it's like using him being a, in uh, over the top method actor mm-hmm. for the better, because yeah. he probably actually did really experience mm-hmm. and really feel those oh, things. Oh, sure. And certainly back a little, when I was talking about the, the ugly jokes and the appearance jokes, I think I just had this sort of realization. I feel like we're having Oprah Winfrey's soul Sundays. Good. An aha I moment. love it. 
But we as the audience never feel that Dorothy is ugly. We love her. Yes. We, we, we fight for her. We are so on her side that, that maybe that's why in my mind the jokes don't feel as cheap as they could be in a lesser written, lesser acted movie because we know Dorothy's better than that. And, you know, the whole sticks and stones thing, especially with the, the, the monologue that he gives that we cited a couple of times that Dorothy, I'm Dorothy's a better person than I am. I, I want, I wish I could be her. Yeah. I, she deserves more. She deserves to be pretty. And the use of the word pretty then is, is archaic now, but I, but, but I think he was engulfing. She deserves to be admired and loved and deserves everything that people that are physically beautiful get yes. because she's internally beautiful. And it's a really, I mean, he, he was nominated for an Oscar for mm-hmm. this for a reason. And Jessica Lange won for a reason. And Terry Garr was nominated. I mean, was nominated for screenplay and best picture yep. and, of it, like I said, it's probably my favorite American comedy. Well, you just reminded me. So a couple of weeks back, I had a uh, Todd Gilchrist on the show, and we were talking about Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so good. So I had never seen it, mm-hmm. and uh, I was blown away by how beautiful Cloris Leachman was. Was and she won the Oscar, and she's heartbreaking. In she's movie. so. But I was like. I, I was very confused because coming to the movie decades later, she's supposed to be rather subdued and kind of matronly. Mm. And I saw this stunning yeah. woman. And um, now granted, when you first meet her, she's a little buttoned up. But when she lets her hair mm. down and like obvious and they light all the women, they light her and... Um, Pretty girl. What am I thinking? Sybil Shepherd. Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. So when they light both of them, they almost blow them out. They're so oh, it's it's a beautiful radiant, movie. It's right? a beautiful looking movie. It looks like watercolor paintings. Yes. It's just the the look of it's gorgeous. And especially when it comes to the women. Mm. So mm. with that being said, I remarked to Todd how physically beautiful I found Cloris mm. Leachman, who was in her forties at the time. Yes, and so and also like two or three years later played Frau Blucher. Yeah. You know, which which was like whoa, yeah. she was in such makeup. But my point is that Todd was kind of like, really? You think so? And he wasn't being a jerk Mm -hmm. at all. But to your point earlier of like, you're a man, I'm a woman. Like I saw beauty. Oh, she's stunning in the movie. But, but, but to the, uh, heterosexual male audience, Mm -hmm. I don't think that perhaps they saw her that way. And I'm talking about that as applied to Dorothy sure. as well. But I'm wondering how much of that is a learned behavior of social behavior, because I've always said, if I was a straight guy, I would, I'm, would be, I'm attracted to older women because we earn all the wrinkles That's- and miles. Uh, we earn to look to age. So when I see some of these actresses, you know, you see Helen Mirren, who at her seventies oh. is quite possibly the most beautiful woman on the planet. And you see these things. And I think, I think we, I think we teach our boys to be shallow. I don't think that's a learned behavior. I, th- I mean, I think it is a learned behavior. I don't think we're born with that because, you know, I would love to do a movie with the age difference of Michael Douglas and Gwyneth Paltrow in A Perfect Murder, but flip it. Yeah. I would love to see Helen Mirren and Zac Efron in a romantic movie. Did you see Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool? Mm-mm. Annette Bening plays Gloria Graham, a real-life actress, and Jamie Bell is her boyfriend. Yes, I think I saw and a poster for this. it's glorious to see that because... It's also a manifestation of how we treat age in our country. Oh, it's a yes. very Western thing that the older you get, the less relevant you are. That's who we learn from. You know, you go to Eastern countries and the, the elderly and the old are revered because yes. they can teach us things. They can prevent things from happening like the world, the way the United States is now. They're a source of knowledge and they can, you know, the old cliche, if we don't learn from our history, we're doomed to repeat it. You can learn from these other people's mistakes and experiences and make our, our lives all 
better. Well, I think what you were talking, you're, I, I, so when, what you were just saying about, about finding, you know, women with experience mm. and it's like you earn that, uh, and it's attractive. Well, it, I think it's attractive for everybody, but women in particular, I never understood our culture's youth and smooth and yes. tight and I, I don't, I just don't so get So I think what, you, what, what I'm picking up on and, um, is, is something that they touch on in this movie. So what that sounds like to me is an appreciation, mm-hmm. a true admiration and appreciation mm-hmm. for, for women, right. A, of a certain age mm-hmm. or whatever. And in the scene where they're visiting, um, they're visiting, um, oh my God, the, Jessica Lang's father's farm and they get into bed mm-hmm. and Jessica Lang is just talking mm-hmm. about the wallpaper. Yeah. Oh, and oh the rosebuds. The rose, oh, you're going to make me cry. And, and she's talking about her mother and she's just walking through this beautiful but rather simple, insignificant in terms of plot, mm-hmm. right, um, story. It's a story and this scene really hit me today. Mm-hmm. Um it's a story that she's just talking to a girlfriend or yeah. a mother figure, mate, right? Yeah. But the the thing that really hit me was, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I would never, not never, but right now, my own insecurities mm-hmm. and the own things that I have learned, mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever say that to my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of just... I'm just talking about this beautiful memory. And that's also part of the reason that scene in particular, I think, shows you what a national treasure Jessica Lange is because she's playing it that that she's playing that when we're, you know when you're asleep and you're kind of sleep drunk and you're just talking and I don't even think she's she's saying stuff freely it's almost like if it was a spy movie that she was given you know yeah, she was yeah. given the truth serum and she's saying these things and it's so it's so pure the purity of what she's saying is, and it works on such a level. And you see why Dustin Hoffman is conflicted because he's falling in love with her as a man to a woman, as a girlfriend to a girlfriend, as a maternal figure to a a girl who lost her mother. There's just so much emotional truth. And then the scene ends with him flipping over in bed and he's wearing a wig with curlers and the wig flips around. So they end the scene. Mm -hmm. That's what good masterful comedies do. They get close to really serious, really heavy stuff and then pop out of it with a joke that doesn't demean or or undercut the seriousness Mm -hmm. of the scene but allows you to catch your breath and appreciate it. This movie is just, and and there are, Many, many, many instances in this movie of, of just that effortlessness. They they make it look so easy in this movie, and it's and you know comedy, like we said, comedy is hard. Look at how the difference in t- uh, tastes change from Hangover One to Hangover Two oh, to sure. Hangover Three. Now, those came out one a year, it seemed like. So to have a comedy that is this human and this this timeless is just it's just a gem. And it, I, I'm jealous of people that are listening to this who are who've never seen it before mm-hmm. because it's one of those another cliche. It's one of those things I would love to see it again for the first time. Yeah. To as an adult with the experiences I've had in the past thirty six years since I saw it, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to watch it through that prism because it is it is it is a really serious movie that is uproariously funny. It Absolutely. is it is it is. It's the spoonful of sugar. It's hiding the pill for your dog in a piece of bologna. It's it's not gonna it's not didactic, but you're gonna come out of it a better person. Yeah, I think. it seems very authentic. Like, and it doesn't seem like anyone's preaching mm-hmm. at you, you know. Um, and and it doesn't hit you over the mm-hmm. head. But there was like, th- okay, so there's one scene sequence in particular that I just like was really really struck by. Um, it's so it's when um, these. 
I, uh, the husband, I'm sorry, Jessica Lang's father mm. proposes to Dorothy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she runs away, like runs out of the mm-hmm. bar mm-hmm. and then goes home and the doctor's waiting for yeah. her, right? And he's slightly drunk mm-hmm. and he, and and Dorothy says like, Jesus, this just won't end, like what a night, right? And then he, he keeps saying, let me come up. Let me come inside. I'm coming up for a drink. And she's like, no, 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 go away. She goes upstairs and he's outside screaming. Yeah, singing. Sing, singing, yeah. but I mean, yeah. causing a scene. Yeah. So in order to pacify him, invites her into the house. Yeah. He forces himself on her. And then, so this was the part that just like, was unreal to me. I mean, not unreal, but it just really was like, what the, this fucking sucks. Like, this is so real that it sucks. Bill Murray walks in, the doctor stops and apologizes to, to Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. Yes, yes, yes. He's, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, but, but once again, unlike, say, for example, in Revenge of the Nerds, yes. when, the girl when Robert Carradine sleeps rapes that girl basically because mm-hmm. she he, she thinks it's her boyfriend. That's really that's really hard to watch. Revenge mm-hmm. of the That scene is hard. This scene, you're uncomfortable with the characters, but it makes you think. Oh yes. Oh my God, do we do this? And you know, and you what what you also you didn't, you touched upon was. Dorothy goes from being proposed to coming home to another guy. That's what women have to deal with yes. every day. Somebody Men, at her home. Yeah. She says, at how did you home. know where I live? Yeah. And he says, oh, I followed you home last night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I to me, that that, that is, once again, I will never know what that feels like because women deal with that every single day. So many men think giving you attention is a compliment and you need to accept the compliment. And the way they do it there, once again, I think goes back to what we were saying, watching this movie through the prism of today, you're going to go, oh, you're going to think about your own behavior. And if a comedy can make you laugh and make you do that 40 years after it came out, that's but pretty impressive. Abso- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to get dark here, but oh no, you know, no, 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 it's the, true though. No, but, but well, this is the next thing I'm about to say is what's dark okay. is um with the with the Santa Fe shooter. Mm-hmm. So here in the U.S., there was a school shooting, mm-hmm. and we are learning that uh, apparently or allegedly, this young man had been pursuing this one girl, mm-hmm. and she finally had been so fed up with him that she said no very publicly and embarrassed him, and as a result, he decided. I'm going to shoot her and everyone else that I don't like in this school. And was too afraid to kill himself. Right. That sums up American white men, unfortunately. I mean, the reason I bring that up is it's the idea, it's exactly what we were just talking about, like being taught you keep persisting and persisting and one day I will wear her down. It's okay for me to show up to her house because she's going to think it's a compliment. And, and at the end of the day, he apologizes to Dorothy after he apologizes to Bill Murray and says, uh, and, and basically says, now I understand why, and yeah. I apologize. Yeah. It's out of respect. You've been claimed by someone else. It, you don't have any sort of agency of your own. Exactly. Now I understand yeah. why you were refusing me, because you have a husband, yeah. not because you're not interested in me. Yeah. And out of respect for your husband, I apologize. A brief aside on that, um, a friend of mine, one of my best friends from college, has a nine-year-old son, and after this whole Santa Fe thing, you know, she had said, what do you do? If you ask a girl out and she says no, and her son said, you listen to her because if you keep bugging her, you're wasting your time and hers. And 
I was like, oh yes, yes. Which with stuff like stuff like that, and she didn't have lots of conversations with him before that. So that's what goes back to me to the thing of what we what we're socialized to yes. learn and what we are. I think I think at our core DNA, we are good and want to get along with everyone, and we want everyone to be happy because a happy world is an easier world. Yep. But there's so much stuff that we've learned from these these archaic gender roles and this 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 judging people based on looks. I mean, and we live, we live in a city and a business that that's nine-tenths nine of the law, as it were. But just to evaluate that that everyone is an individual and everyone is different and everyone should be approached differently. Every relationship you have is unique. They're not all the same. And when someone says no, yeah, that get means, over it. Yeah. Dust yourself off and get over it. A million it. other mm-hmm. fish in the seas. Um, speaking of, okay, so speaking of saying no, um, Terry Gar, mm-hmm. Sandy, uh, I, so this performance. Another, another sorely underappreciated comic actress, good in Everything. She is so, you know, if you if you one were to really pay attention to her in this movie, she does she gets to play the silly actor. Now, one of the things that mm-hmm. I love about this movie, in addition to talking about men and women and mm-hmm. relationships, is that it it is a loving but very uh, it makes fun of actors. Oh, oh, the play that that, that um, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman originally takes the role on the soap opera so they can get the financing for his roommate Jeff, Bill Murray's play. And the play is called Return to Love Canal. Yeah. And Love Canal, for those of you probably who are way too young, was a, was a toxic waste place <laughs> in, I believe, Pennsylvania. And even 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 when it, when Dustin Upman tells Sidney Pollack, his agent, about this, Sidney Pollack's like, "Love Canal. Who wants to spend two hours in the theater watching people live next to toxic waste? They can just go to New Jersey." Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's so. It's. But but what I love about it is it's very easy to make jokes about actors being morons or actors being like you know paper dolls or whatever. But what I love that this shows is the um, just absolute insanity but there is truth to all of this insanity i love that terry gar says like i'm 34 years old i spent 20 dollars on sunglasses to work as a waitress like i'm tired of paying money to dress myself up for things that don't pay me and it's like i'm not with all the things that we've already talked about in this conversation there's a lot going on in our world that is like sad and i'm not i'm not saying oh boo hoo actors but i do appreciate that it shows it really just shows what actors are like this oh. is a great picture and terry gar on a dime just like goes from uh from being upset about michael to but i'm an actress and I'll, and I'll, you know. Oh, and I love, I love when she th- is talking to Michael about the soap opera. And she's like, I can't believe that fat, ugly old woman got the part. And Michael's like, you think she's fat? So he starts even absorbing the socialization that women get. Oh, you think I'm fat? It's really, it's really masterful, this movie. You know, even just talking about it now is making me find stuff that 40 years later that that is hidden in there. And it's it's what really good art does. It entertains you and it informs you and it makes you look within. I mean, I realize that all sounds very pretentious and like I'm teaching an acting seminar or something, but there's such a, there's such a human, humanness. I would, that would be the, the adjective I would use. This is a very human comedy because with all the trappings of the soap opera, and the dressing and drag as a woman and all that. It's very much about connections and how we prejudge people that might 
we might really connect with if we looked past what the surface was, whether mm-hmm. it's Jessica Lange at that party when Michael comes up to her and uses the line yeah. on her that she says to Dorothy, if some man said that to me, I'd be happy. It's all about acknowledging where you fit in space and where you fit with other people and sort of not having preconceived notions. But once again, it's not about that at all. It's a big comedy about a guy sure. who dresses up, but because it's not about that, it becomes more about that. It's because it's not telling you, teaching you a lesson, that stuff rises to the top out of the just the joyousness of the joy of this movie and the 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 master class of the performances is there anything else about tootsie in particular that that we that we haven't touched on that we should talk about um let's talk about that final scene let's that final scene i think is is also to use a phrase i've used a couple of times is a master class on staging a comedy so the final scene is as i mentioned earlier michael just got his contract dorothy's contract extended for three or four or five years and they used to only film soap operas back then only a couple of days in advance whereas now they film them months in advance um, and the the running joke is that the editors are spill, keep spilling stuff on it, and they have to go live. So they're going live, and the, this episode is the big hospital ball honoring Dorothy. And Michael's just can't do the show anymore, so he comes down the stairs as Dorothy, and everything's fine, and they're on the script, on the script, and then he starts going off the script. And the way they cut, the, this is also a beautifully edited scene. The way they cut between the actors the who are on the is... on the soundstage watching it to the to booth to the publicist to the director to the and there's a part where he starts to stutter. He's like because 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 and <laughs> the producer of the show is don't panic don't 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 panic. It's just this 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 almost a symphony of dialogue. Yes. And when the reveal when he takes the wig off live on the show. The doctor who had the crush on him goes, I knew it. <laughs> no, no, no. Dabney Coleman yes, says, I knew director. that's why he wouldn't be hot for me. And the direct and the doctor says, does Jeff know? And then Jessica, after they go to a commercial, Jessica Lang walks up to him and he tries to say something to her and she just punches him in the stomach. And that sums up the whole movie almost. That, that scene is almost the microcosm of this whole movie. I mean, I got goosebumps talking about it. It's so... It's why I got so uncomfortable as a kid because I was so invested in Dorothy and Julie mm. and all these characters. And when when Michael just gets rid of it all in one fell swoop, it's just it's one of the comedy always comes from a place of edge. And it's just you're just so you're I'm physically uncomfortable when I'm watching that scene. I want to avert my eyes, but I can't. And it's still uproariously funny, but it's just it's just amazing. And I think that once again, if you haven't watched it, you, you do yourself a treat. Go rent it, stream it, watch this movie. It will make you will be glad you did. In the U.S., it's streaming on Stars, uh, just in case, because mm-hmm. I I do own it on DVD, but yeah. I also found it on. Stars. And Criterion last year put out an amazing Blu-ray oh, with awesome. all sorts of extras. That is, if you if you watch this movie and love it as much as I do, you'll want to pick up or get um, Filmstruck. You can probably watch yes. it because Criterion stuff is on Filmstruck. Yes. Well, so and I wanted to. Uh, the, I actually am glad you brought that up. The, the final scene because I I think that the final, final scene, that to me is, well, actually him going up there and talking to her father. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I found myself like as I was watching the movie today uh, and knowing like, oh yeah, like thinking to myself, should she give this guy the time of day? Like it's such, because I did earlier in the movie, I wrote down, this is such a breach of trust. Like if I were her, I would, if I were Julie, I, I, how would I react? Right. And, um, but then as the movie went on and then she punches him in the stomach and I'm like, yeah. And then he goes and talks to her dad and 
Oh, know? that scene at the bar it's with him so, and Charles Jerning. Yeah. They're not even looking at each other, and it's one of the most beautiful scenes. Once again, this movie's so progressive because Charles Durning isn't mad that Dustin Hoffman, that he, you know, he's not like, oh, you made me feel like a fag. He's mad because he loved Dorothy. Yeah. He's grieving the loss of Dorothy. It's not about a guy in drag. It's not the it's not the easy thing. And you know, these the 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 level of insight these actors bring to it. I mean, I want to cry just thinking about that scene because it's funny and it's beautiful and and you see Dustin Hoffman's character. We use these words as writers and people in Hollywood, the arc he goes mm-hmm. through. But his character from the first scene to the very last scene is a better person. And that's a great thing. We don't often see that. Now we're in an age of irony and meta, 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 post-ironic irony and everything is cynical. And this movie, once again, has a a humanness and a purity to it. And and also the very, very final scene. So that's, yeah, that was the thing. It's, I really liked how they don't, you know, end in a kiss and like all, they end as friends. Yeah, they might, they, I don't think they ever become lovers. Yeah. I think they just become best friends. Yeah. And that also is so progressive, even yes. though they ended ambiguously, it doesn't end with her falling in love with him. It's them talking and them, and he's like, and he even says to her, I would like to get to know you and let, let you get to know who I am now. Yeah. And they, once again, you get this really nice, raw sort of emotion, honest, the first honest Overtly honest yes. scene because Dorothy was being honest, even though Michael was in the drag. He he was being more honest with her when he was a woman than he was with mm-hmm. a man. But when he says to her, you know, when they talk, and then she says, "Can I borrow that Halston?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, the Halston? I don't know." <laughs> and then it becomes it's funny and smart. And and once again, he's learned just by talking about having that couture and not wanting to lend it out. Is once again he's just in the couple of months he's been a woman, he has absorbed that socialization of what women are in society. And I think it gets back to, this might be a shallow Mm -hmm. um, appreciation, but I think it's appreciation. Mm -hmm. I think what Michael ultimately learns is an appreciation for women who function in New York City. Older women, women who are considered less attractive, the the amount of effort that women put into their appearance, why they put effort mm-hmm. into their appearance, why they spend money on couture clothing. Like, I know these are all shallow, they sound like shallow things, but I think it matters. Like, I really think it's and I think it's valuable. We need to we need to figure out the 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 where the line is of wanting to look good because it makes you feel good and wanting to look good for other people. Yes. And I think this movie crosses that line back and forth in a really smart yes. way. Um, because ultimately, you know, as we've cited this quote before, Michael wants Dorothy to be pretty. I don't think it's he wants her to be a bombshell. He right. wants her to he wants her to like to be to be viewed on the for the physical as beautiful as she is on the inside. And once again, I don't even think sometimes the characters are aware of the subtext of what they're saying yeah. in the context of the movie. And that's always great because you're going on the journey with them and you're so invested in them. And it's just, it's just, you know, like I said, this is easily my favorite American comedy, one of my t- desert Island films. And uh, I, I'm really glad to get a chance to talk about it and hopefully get other people to discover it because yeah. discovering great, great stuff is always, it's always a joy. Yes. All right. Last question before I let you go. Sure. Um, so everybody on the show gets to pick a movie to add to a list. Mm-hmm. That, that is not already on a list. Oh. Do you have uh, any any under... So it's basically like saying an underappreciated movie. So like Rachel picked LA Confidential, mm-hmm. which you go, how is that not on the list? And yeah. the reason it came up was because of um, the thrills list. John mm-hmm. Carpenter's The Thing isn't sure. on it. Texas Chainsaw. Is 9 to 5 on the list? Uh-uh. 
then that's what I'll pick. Okay. Nine to five is also. I think it's not. Arguably one of. When I when I teach writing, it's one of the scripts I use, and yeah. I've had the I've had the pleasure of getting to meet Patricia Resnick, who wrote the movie. She's friends of a friend, and every time I see her at a party or a dinner meeting or something, I'm I'm always asking her nine to five trivia. Nine to five is structurally one of the most perfect films you'll ever see. Everything that happens in the first half informs what happens in the second half, but because it was 30 years ago, it doesn't say look at how clever we are. I've seen this movie over a hundred times. Mm. I saw it when I was 11 years old in the theater and related to these women. It is a movie that is so smart and so funny and so well acted. And it's, it is, even though it's a little dated because of the techniques and what the women are doing at their jobs and like dictaphones and stuff, it is so relevant about women in the workplace. It's still an issue that women get paid less. Dabney Coleman, again, plays the bad guy like he mm-hmm. does in Tootsie. He should have gotten an Oscar. He plays Mr. Hart. Um, Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, all brilliant. Jane Fonda, I, I'm shocked Jane Fonda didn't get nominated for an Oscar for this movie because they're all Oscar worthy, but she plays so against who Jane Fonda is as a person. She plays this divorcee, kind of a doormat of a woman who has to discover her her own strength over the course of the movie. And you forget you're watching Jane Fonda. You forget you're watching Lily Tomlin. You forget you're watching Dolly Parton. And when the stars of that caliber immerse themselves in their roles and you can forget, forget that, it's great. And it's laugh out loud. I quote that movie at least once a week. And it's it's just glorious. And if it's not on the top 100 list, it should be. It should be really high on those lists. I know it's not on the like regular 100 yeah, list. I'm sure it, maybe the I comedy wonder, list. I wonder though if it is mm-hmm. on the comedy list because you know, like the AFI, they like the AFI likes, you know, the the Billy Wilders mm-hmm. of the world and like yeah. the the um uh Philadelphia stories of the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. Um all right, but well, what do you uh, what do you think about um Working Girl? Are you a working girl? Because I've never been able to understand why that movie is like a revelation. I think that it's one of Harrison Ford's best performances. I think, I wish Harrison Ford smiled more because when he does, he's super charming. And I know he's a grump in real life, but (laughs) it's a really great performance. Um, My issue with Working Girl is I don't think that Melanie Griffith is a strong enough actress to pull off the transformation. I agree. I'm not insulting her. Let me say this. Don't don't bombard us. I think she I think what she's good at, she's great at. One of my favorite performances of her in Something Wild, the Jonathan Demi movie with mm-hmm. Jeff Daniels. A great caper film. She can be really, really, really good. But for me, it seems like the only change that Tess goes through in that movie is she cuts her hair. Right. It goes from long orange teased hair to short orange teased hair. And it, it doesn't not work, but I felt the same way when the movie came out. It was nominated for like tw- 10 Oscars or something. And, you know, it's got the Carly Simon song deserves an Oscar nomination. Yes. The screenplay deserves an Oscar na- a nomination. Um, Sigourney Weaver is a revelation is in the great. movie. Joan Cusack is a revelation. I just don't think that she's that Melanie Griffith either has the tools or was directed well enough for that to be the... Eliza Doolittle or yeah. the Victor Victoria, where we see suddenly when given the chance... She and maybe it's the voice, maybe it's the shallowness of me that her voice is so squeaky, and that's maybe mm. meta about the movie. Maybe the movie is making a comment there that I'm not getting. Mm. I would need to revisit it. But that was always my issue with the movie. I just never bought the Tessa's transformation that anyone would pay attention to her in a boardroom. Yeah, same, same. It's never worked for me, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, this has been great. Well, thank you so much. This was super fun. I want to come back. There's, yes. Uh, let's do all the leftover movies. We'll do them. Let's just do it together. Listen, I, I, it, you have a standing invitation anytime you want. And, and Victor Victoria, I think, 
is on one of the musical lists, even if it's like a 25 list or something. I just gave uh, Brienne, when I did Miss Movies, I gave her a copy of it to watch because she had never seen it. Yeah. And it is, it's my favorite Blake Edwards movie. And I mean, that, you know, I know he did the Pink Panther movies Mm -hmm. and Days of Wine and Roses and all that stuff. But Victor Victoria, another movie. If you want, do a double feature of Tootsie and Victor Victoria. You will thank us because... Wow, it was amazing how progressive 81, 82, 83 were. Um, you had um, Linda Hunt winning an Oscar for playing a, a man in The Year of Living Dangerously. You had Dustin Hoffman nominated for this. You had Julie Andrews the year after nominated for playing a woman playing a female impersonator. You had all sorts of gender stuff going on that was really, really ahead of its time. It would be interesting to do a film festival of those movies today yeah. with the advances in transgender awareness and transgender civil rights and that sort of it's thing. It's really interesting. It's, I, I, we, we can't get into it, but Jacqueline mm-hmm. Coley was on this show. She's from Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and we were talking about, and she brought up Linda Hunt, but in the opposite respect. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is a this is astonishing that the Academy even let this happen. And um, it's so funny. It is, looking back, it's, it's very weird that a British woman played a Philippine man. Right. But... If you didn't know Linda Hunt was a man, was a woman in that movie, you wouldn't know. It's 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 uncomfortable in the rearview mirror now, but it's by no means Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's not it's not yellow face at all. It's very once again when I was a kid and saw that movie and I heard that that was a, wo- a woman, I was like, oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So it is problematic on paper, but it is not a performance that was minstrel. It wasn't a minstrel performance mm-hmm. at all. I've never seen it. I'll it's an intense movie. List. All right, my friend, that's it. I'm going to let you go to dinner now. Awesome. Thanks. That's going to do it for us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, If you haven't seen Tootsie before, it's absolutely worth a watch. A couple of notes with respect to the AFI of it all. Since, you know, we don't really put these on the scoreboard anymore. But since we talked about it right at the end of the episode, I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, So Tootsie is actually on the 100 Greatest American Films of All Time list. It was number 69 on the 2007 revised list, and it was number 62 on the 1998 list. So it actually dropped a couple of spots. Um, as far as the rest goes, 9 to 5, which Mark would add to the main list, is on the laughs list, but is not on the main list. It is number 74. Um, Working Girl, which we talked about, is on the Cheers list. 1987, or I'm sorry, uh, number 87 on the Cheers list. Obviously, Mark and I aren't quite cheering. And Victor Victoria is number 76 on the laughs list, but didn't make the top 25 musical lists. AFI, what's going on with you guys over there? And are you revising this thing? Because if so, we need to talk. Um, All right, that's going to do it for me today. If you are not a contributor to Patreon, Check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. Um, we have a mini coming your way this Thursday more with Mark and Draco talking about Superman and Supergirl as it relates to Tootsie and gender identity. I think it's a really fun conversation. And uh, so that is going to be up on Thursday for all of our Patreon contributors. If you are not interested in Patreon, totally fine. But if you don't mind rating and reviewing the podcast, if you don't mind leaving a review, that would be awesome. Alrighty, my friends, thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon.